in the broader sense, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the big trends of, of 21st century media, the degree to which someone can be a, um, a, a media property in their own right. And, and yeah. lots of people have gone, you know, gone from big broadsheet titles, gone from, you know, New York Times and, uh, and Washington Post and what have you to, to go strike it out and they make their own sites. On this episode of Things Have Changed, we cover how journalism has become more decentralized with the unbundling of content. While most media is owned by a select wealthy groups like the Murdoch family, we are starting to see a shift in the platforms journalists are publishing their content on. Tune in to hear how news media has evolved and the wave of journalists venturing out to create their own personal brands. An engineer, banker, and dancer go on a hike. They realize how things have changed and start a podcast. Hi, I'm Jed, the banker. I'm Shikhar, the engineer. And I'm Adrian, the dancer. And we are THC. We break down topics, meet pioneers, and share ideas. Welcome to Things Have Changed. So big day today. Uh, The president just got called in the United States. But that's less important to me than the amount of news that I watched over the last five days. Because <laughs> we've seen so much news over the past week. Maybe it'll be a good idea to kind of see where this industry is heading. So um, in order to know where it's heading, let's go back to the 20th century. You had like local newspaper, boys and girls or whatever, um, running around, passing news. It was very local. It was very person-to-person, town crier to neighborhood, that sort of thing, right? And when technology evolved, when print really came to the fore, when cable became a thing, you started noticing these massive corporations coming about. Most of this just based on acquisition and just one fish eats a smaller fish and becomes a bigger fish. And that's how you see, even till this day, you see this media landscape, which is ridiculous to think how big they are just based on reach. Like one example is um, News Corp, right? Rupert Murdoch, everyone knows who he is. Rupert Murdoch's media company, News Corp, owns everything that we do and see on TV right now. So he owns Dow Jones, he owns Fox, he owns WSJ, parts of Sky, he owns the Telegraph, New York Post. That's just the big ones. Those are like actually the biggest news sources in yeah. the Western world, right? And then he owns Mentioned everything I read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he owns like a bunch in Australia. He's Australian who came over here and bought everything. And yeah, we're trying to do, dude. <laughs> Come here, buy everything in this fucking country. All the news, Joe Rogan. We're coming after you. Uh, no, but it's crazy you, you, that you mentioned. You know all these like news stations that one person owns. It, it seems pretty easy to have an agenda and like do some shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, what he wants to hear is going to be what's on those channels, right? I was shocked actually to see that WSJ was owned by the same group that owns Fox. You know, that that really never like ties. But uh, 
similarly, so if you have NewsCorp, you also have like, I think um, Woodbridge. Woodbridge in Canada owns like Reuters, The Globe, The Mail. Just it's crazy. Family owned. Everything's family owned. It's one family that are like, you know what? Yeah. I want to control everything what the world sees and thinks. I'm actually shocked. Reuters, yeah, Reuters is something that like was amazing when it started um, getting data from the 10Ks and the 10Qs that we used to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that industry, like when Reuters started coming up with, okay, you know, this is what comes out of the uh, earnings calls and they make it like a really nice, pretty format. I loved fucking Reuters. It was awesome for like any field in finance or earn banking. Yeah, no. And even Vice, right? Vice, Vice came from Canada as well. I mean, that's, that's yeah. big. So like media tends to gravitate to the biggest players, right? Even if you're a smaller company, the biggest, biggest players actually come in and eat you up. So what happens to these journalists who are within these media houses, right? How much of the say is actually theirs? And how much of it is what the publishing house wants them to put out, right? And that's the biggest difference that is unlocking the next wave of journalism that we are seeing today. Just to put in perspective, like we recently had a conversation with Jason Palmer uh, talking about uh, the culture in The Economist, right? And just to uh, paint the picture a little bit, there is a similar train of thought in The Economist, right? There is a main belief. So when he was talking to us, he mentioned something called economies, right? Speaking economies. Like speaking economies, which yeah. is sort of the language around the economist. So you could tell that there's a large part of what you're going to get from the journalists are going to be economies talk, you know, and they don't have names on each of the journals that they produce. If you notice, if you ever read anything from the economist, there's nothing that says there, Hey, this was written by blah, blah, blah. You know, not like the typical Times, um, Telegraph NY post that has the journalists there, even WSJ opinions. But yeah, so in, in media houses like that, there is a certain format and there's a certain mm-hmm. control from from uh, the the top levels there. One thing to add, I, I totally forgot about this, like Turner family owns CNN and also owns Cartoon Network and also no, owns TNT. AT&T. And now AT&T bought the whole TNT package. Now AT&T owns all this plus HBO. So it's like, if you're big, you just get bought by a bigger company. <laughs> it's yeah. hot. The, the M&A market is hot in journalism, bro. Or in media, please. <laughs> and and the reason why they're doing that is they're, they're feeling threatened, I'm sure. The, you know, as we're going into unbundling, people are leaving these media sites. They're starting to, you know, the the places we get our news from is diversifying for sure. We're seeing these new companies come up, startups. We had Morning Brew that started, what, five years ago? And they just got bought, uh, I don't know if it was a full stake or a partial stake by um, Business Insider. And Business Insider is owned by another <laughs> corporation. So, it, you know, if you don't acquire and bundle these big corporations, if they don't, they that's a big threat to them so that's why we see this huge bundling but at the same time we're seeing people leave we're seeing news come from different avenues and the listener base is also changing so you have all these massive conglomerates and what happens oh wait the internet happens facebook happens google happens twitter Twitter happens yeah right and then suddenly people are getting their stuff on social media 
right? And then Donald so, Trump happens. So just <laughs> wanted to point that out. Big part. So I, all your policy is happening on Twitter. At 3 a.m. late at night tweets. <laughs> <laughs> They're caught off guard, basically. Journalists in big establishments have to get on Twitter to know what's happening, right? So that shift has happened already where it's not print media anymore. It's not cable anymore. So journalists, in order to get their voices out there, how do you get it? You got to build a brand. How do you build a brand? Well, you got to be in a big publishing house and rise through the ranks. And that is hard. I mean, you are talking about the cream of the crop across all media corporations. So what that has resulted in is with technology, with the internet, folks that have an audience already, they've just realized, wait, hang on a minute. I can actually, without being salaried, by the New York Times or the Washington Post, I can literally step outside, be my own editor to my own newsletter, and people will subscribe to me. Individual creators, these individual reporters have taken it on themselves using the internet to be like, hey, I'm going to be the creator. I'm going to be the brand. And this way, I'm not just putting my articles out there for the world without knowing who's reading it. I get no data out of this. Instead, I have a newsletter. People subscribe to it. Those people love my stuff already. So I'm catering to that audience. And now they're paying me directly, right? So such a massive shift taking place. We're seeing so many big, um, big journalists from Casey Newton, who's a big tech reporter in The Verge, to Emily Atkin, reporter who's now created her own newsletter called heated for climate stuff. Yeah, I mean, to riff off that, right? The unbundling and uh, journalists going to their separate avenues, what kind of like, what kind of platforms are they using to spread the message? So is that stuff like Substack, right? The, um, the blogging tools, and then maybe personal blogs, the internet has given way to a lot of like personalized websites and stuff like that. Like, are, are there other ways for them to get, um, um, attention? What What are the other uh, platforms other than Substack? So Medium, you remember that, uh, like yep. all okay. these big execs who leave their company or who have their company acquired, put out a Medium article saying, this is how it was done and get like a <laughs> 500,000 claps on it. So that was one. Uh, but either way, all of it works in a very similar manner where mm -hmm. the entity, so say Substack or Medium, takes like a 10% cut and then people are individually subscribing to you. Like the founder of Substack talks about how, you know, there are a bunch of journalists making over 100K a year just based on a couple thousand subscribers paying $5 per month. It makes sense. Huge. You, won't, yeah. you won't really think about it, but if a couple thousand people are paying you five bucks a month, you make $100,000. When you mentioned Medium, I, I immediately thought there wasn't any other place where I could find like the founding uh, story of the intelligence, for example, except Medium. Medium had it. Medium had that. Soylent had the same thing where yeah. they wrote about how they you know, um, founded Soylent in a Medium article. So it's really cool. I feel like there, there, there's platforms developing for a specific cause. And for us, like if you're a listener of THC, you probably listen to us uh, kind of know the story already in the conversations. And then we affirm things, right? 
And the way we do that is we go to Medium and check out if they've already written an article on the specific like founding of this company and whatnot. But that's really interesting, right? It's it's a piece of data point that's like very well. I wouldn't say it's niche, but it is towards the tech industry, and it's it's very like similar articles as yeah. well. Where this is the story, this is the data that I got, this is how much I suffered, blah blah blah. Yeah, and looking at the shift of how news and the way it's delivered is changing, we also have to look at how is the user base changing. Like you mentioned, the the evolution of bundling and unbundling has to do a lot to do with, of course, the internet accessibility to information, but also the user base. We have younger people now that are looking at news, and the way they grew up wasn't through newspapers; it was through Google search. It was through having the ability Facebook, bro. Facebook. <laughs> so you know, there's a stat that we we're looking at for this call, which is how much of the proportion um, of time you spend on social media is related to news. So how much how much percent of that is related to news, right? So if you go to Facebook and then look at a news article, um, that's 100% of the time, right, for that Facebook article. So the stat goes, the stat bundles it up into 18 to 24, 25 to 34, you know, 35 and above and whatnot. And in Facebook, okay, in Facebook, the proportion that they use for news um, for Adrian's age bracket is budding about 47, 48%, bro. So your generation is consuming news at that rate on Facebook. I mean, you could you could say that they're on news for or they're on Facebook for news at this point. 40, 48%, right? Yeah, I mean, if you can but, uh, if you can have one place to do everything, message your friends, look at find news and see what's going on in the globe and locally and then, you know, having your profile on there for the world to see because everyone's kind of like a shareholder of Ticket symbol FB over there. <laughs> I think uh, Facebook was a transitionary medium for them to uh, grow their user base since there's so many okay. users on there. There's what, 1.5 billion uh, monthly users? I don't know what the num- exact number is, but mm-hmm. you have so much reach. Like, it's the best place to build up the biggest audience and reach and then bring those users that are loyal listening to you constantly onto your own platform where you can monetize, control the the content a lot better, have control over what your subscribers are seeing and listening to, and then really gauge that towards your listeners because you have so much control over it. Just like these corporations that are buying up all these news sites, this is what publishers and journalists are doing. They're trying to really control the whole process of editing content that's brought to their audience and in a way that they think their audience wants to hear it. You make interesting points, Mr. Long Facebook. How much do you have in that stock? <laughs> My God. He knows everything no, about them. I'm saying that they're leaving Facebook. That's what they're doing. They're using Facebook, but we're seeing them create their own substacks, their own medium, their own uh, their own platforms to have their own subscribers. Okay. So, I mean, to, you know. <laughs> we're on to you, I'll, I'll, I'll substantiate that, okay? So before, when I used to love, like, you know, economics when I was like a wide-eyed college student. I actually started on Facebook. 
I put out some like, you know, those posts you can put out that's like a really long, you know, message and whatever on Facebook. I used to write those. <laughs> yeah, I was I was that kind of guy. And I would share it and be like, oh, check out my page, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was, was like stupid. keyboard warrior fighting against all the trolls. Dude, I love it. <laughs> I, I didn't know what what blogging was back then. Um, but Facebook was like a really cool way for me to put it out. But that lasted like fucking three articles. And I was like, this is stupid. I don't know why. <laughs> LinkedIn came up and was like, damn, you know, that's the place where you write stuff. You get new people there that could hire you, you know? Yeah. So with all of this unbundling, it is allowing these journalists to have so much more editorial freedom and opportunities through partnerships with certain brands, the, the way they control uh, the content that they're creating. And they are getting direct feedback from their users. You know, they can really cater what they're creating directly uh, to their follower base based on the comments, uh, what kind of mentions are going on. They can they have all this data at their fingertips, really. How does uh, how does Rupert Murdoch feel about all this shit? What do you think? <laughs> what, dude, like Threatened. he cares. <laughs> like he cares. He owns everything, dude. To dive into this trend a bit more, we had just the expert who's got real skin in the game, Jason Palmer, host of The Economist Radio, to talk to us on this emerging wave of journalism and media. In the broader sense, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the big trends of, of 21st century media, the degree to which someone can be a, um, a, a media property in their own right. And, and yeah. lots of people have gone, you know, gone from big broadsheet titles gone from you know new york Timeses and uh and washington posts and what have you to to go strike it out and they make their own sites you know like uh, nate silver great example you know mm. like people who basically they get to be such a, a personality a sort of go-to that they recognize that oh I, you know, i've got enough fuel in this rocket to take this elsewhere you know, all by myself yeah um do i see more of that i would say i would guess that there might be less of that as the you know basically the the screws were already being put to the media industry before covid um those screws tightening ever further and so on um it's going to look more and more even more than before it's going to look like a safer bet to be the you know under the umbrella of um of your own sort of immediately to, to sort of strike it out in an extremely diverse and noisy media environment and just count on that voice that sort of that um that that personality that you develop um at a major outlet just think it's to be harder to sort of parlay that into ah uh, now i'm a person a personality unto myself yeah. um i would guess that's going to be harder so i would you know if one way or the other i'd say there'd probably be less of it but i think you know it's a, it's been a big story i think that sparked a lot of news outlets that we just talk about now as news outlets they were just because somebody thought they were shit hot enough to go and become one yeah like the unbundling you unbundle and then you have so many voices that now you got to bundle back. You know, it's kind of interesting that could be a scenario like with all these like Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of those you unbundle and then you're like, huh, I'm actually paying the same or even more having all of this than when I just had cable. So that could mm. be something that happens as well. If it's really unbundling, right, are we seeing the relevance of these big media companies go down? Or are we just seeing an alternative route to consume news? 
So let me let me put this into perspective, right? A lot of people think, um, you know, maybe the subscribers to New York Times, to WSJ, The Economist, and whatnot, to Fox, um, still love Fox. But what's the demographics looking like, right? We have this whole new generation coming in, consuming news on social media platforms that are having, you know, more specialty services. Is this questioning the relevance of the big media houses now? Uh, so what has happened in the past? If a new upstart comes along, what does the mega corporation do? Well, they go out and buy them, right? So even if these individual creators go out, man, Mr. Murdoch's going to come knocking on your door. Not really him, probably his assistant. He's I'm going to say, hey, you're knocking. He's coming with those SWAT like hammers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to take it. that too. <laughs> <laughs> or he might just buy Substack. He's like, no, you think your newsletter is cool? Well, I'm going to buy your platform. And stuff. So, you know, ultimately money speaks over here um, in, in media. And um, the race to capture your attention is always going to be there. So um, it's, you, it's still too early to say that it's making a dent. You know, one stat, which was cool from last quarter was the New York Times has now more digital subscribers than print. So more people are subscribing to the New York Times than ever before. So it's still super early for us to gauge what is happening. But um, it's an interesting trend. I I think long term, it might just, um, you know, this individual brands might be very interesting for local news. Right, none of the big media houses really know what's happening locally. So, what if you're an investigative journalist in a Kansas City or in Oklahoma, and now people are paying you because you have the deets, right? So, I think that could be a good way of going forward. Yeah, I, th- I think so. You know, I have to plug this. There, there's a Vox video. I know I keep talking about Vox. I love Vox. Um, there's a Vox video on the uh, the death of local news stations, right? Local news companies. And this is kind of sad. What they point out is that um, these news companies uh, are dying because people are starting to consume, even if you're like in Georgia or some shit, even if you're like in a rural community, you know, like in a rural community, you used to probably consume something super duper local right now because your communities are, are getting like attention even at the national level for example now during election season you know you got reporters coming out to those places reporting on those towns right so it, it becomes like okay i don't have to have the local news station anymore i can just trust fox because fox will talk about everything that i need to to learn right but like because that's dying like I feel as if that hurts like local communities. It, it, I feel as if the stories that come out of local news stations are becoming less because you have less local news stations and you have people like aspiring just to be in Fox and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. So like we'll plug in the, um, the Vox video in the description of this podcast, but definitely check it out um, to learn more about how news is, is changing. So it's important to see where news came from, how it's evolved, where it is currently and then where it's going. Something that I recently did, I looked at where I'm getting my news and then looked at a chart of how biased it is. And uh, we'll provide the link to that as well. So you can check where your note, where your news is coming from 
and how biased is it? Is it left-leaning? Is it right-leaning? Is it fact-based or is it opinion-based? Uh, I think that's really valuable to understand uh, who owns your <laughs> news uh, company <laughs> so that you can kind of get a feel of, okay, what are their agendas? What are their incentives? Uh, why are they reporting in this way? And then also just seeing, okay, am I more left-leaning? Am I right-leaning? And how does that affect my emotional state? How does that affect my thoughts on politics, on economics, on legislation, what's going on in our economy, all of these things? Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This is Things Have Changed.